Well, we have a great joy today. Some of you who've been around for a while have already met Andre Shanda, who's uh, He's our, he's our secret guy in Ukraine. He's actually from Canada, but uh, he, there's so much going on in Ukraine right now that it's hard to know what is God doing in the midst of all of the drama that the, the news networks tell us. Uh, but uh, Andre's going to come and share the word with us this morning, but also I hope tell us some of what's going on in Ukraine and Belarus and all of those areas. So Andre, we love you. Glad you're back. Uh, great friend of the family here. Let me pull your podium. And then, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Bless you. Glad you're here. And you want some video, so I'm going to go to the yes, back and do that for you. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a team effort this morning. Uh, good morning, church. Catch the fire. Myrtle Beach. Huh. How many of you remember me from the last year? Oh, we've got some hands up. Okay, good. Thank you. And we have some new people, too. Well, that's awesome. Yes, uh, my name is Andre, and I love the Lord, and I love friends. I hope you all have friends in your life. I'm so blessed to have friends in different parts of the world. That Some friends, like Robert and Jamie, they live in a different other country than our home country. So last two days, my boys and I spent driving just to visit our friends. It's only a thousand miles away between us, but two days is enough time to cover that. So yes, we feel a little tired maybe, but it was so great to arrive last night and be here this morning with all of you. We love the Lord and we love you, and we thank you for opening your hearts for us to hear what the Lord is doing and We'll share a little bit about our part. Because in God's work, our part is very small. All credit is to Him, because it's through His power and His Spirit that He is doing His work. And this morning has been quite amazing, you know, to s just to worship together. And I just realized that it's actually first Sunday in my life when my boys and I are all involved in a service and sometimes you don't think about it. it's like yeah so this is a special time for all of us just three of us there is also a sister but uh, uh, my wife and daughter are staying home with our mother-in-law with my wife's mom and uh, it was important for them just to spend that time together so we wish they were here they send their love but not everything depends on us, right? Sometimes we have to sacrifice. And so they sacrifice this time for us. So we can come and visit and have some time together. Friends. Friends are so important. And I thank God for them. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you so much, Jamie. You open your home for us and everything. And we just want to thank God for you, for your work. It was through friendship that we met with your church. It was through my father's friendship with Robert that I met with Robert. Isn't it amazing that Jesus loves us so much that we can also introduce him to others, but only if he is that kind of friend to us, right? So in my life, I was only 13 when Jesus came into my life. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. But today I want to talk about faith. It's important to have friends, yes. But there are times when our experience in life and our friends are not enough. As much as our friends love us, as much as they can host and take care of us, our hearts need more than just friends and our experience. And there is a passage in the scripture that tells us about. And before we go into the practical ministry and what we actually do, let's turn to the Word of God and hear and just read this familiar passage from the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. But this morning, my prayer that the Lord will reveal 
what he wants to say to each one of us through this passage. It's a familiar passage. I'm pretty sure we've all read it several times. It's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so here we are. Jesus is with his disciples. We are, we'll be reading from verse 22. In my Bible, it says, Jesus comes a storm. Jesus has called his disciples. He is now teaching them some lessons. They've been just the witnesses of greatest miracles he does. He feeds people. He does great stuff. But now he tells them, my friends, and I think we're going to read it first, and then we'll kind of talk about some points. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? I'm pretty sure we've all read this scripture many times. Interesting that Jesus is telling his disciples, It's time to cross this lake. Many of them were fishermen, professional fishermen. How many times have they spent their time on the lake? Many times. How many storms have they faced? Many storms. And they made it every time. But this time was something different. This time their master was with them and they were sailing together. What a perfect, perfect place and time. And just envisioning yourself being with the Jesus in one boat. That would be the safest place. Wouldn't you say so? Jesus is right there with you, just as he promised to be with you all the time. In everything you are going through, his promise is the same. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you till the end. But then something happens. Stuff happens, right? A storm comes. Of course, as a professional, they knew what to do, right? And I think they tried hard. But then fear came, and the fear did its work, a destructive work. And they were at the point where there was no more hope for them. They were in danger, although he was still there. Was he sleeping? Yes. Did he knew what they were going through? Yes. But was there a purpose for it? Oh, yes. And there was, when I look at this scripture, you see, it's important to look at the scriptures not just in this, like, don't take it out of the context. See, when Jesus tells his disciples, my friends, let's cross the lake. In your opinion, did they know where they were sailing to? Of course. Did they know what was on the other side of the lake? I think they knew, and I can tell you, what Jesus was telling them was not a vacation. It wasn't a tour. Let's go and check out that land. It wasn't like that. I can tell you one thing. People of that time, living in that area, they knew exactly what was on the other side. Just like we know what's on the other side of our pond takes place in every part of our towns and communities. And if we don't, it's shame on us, because we should know. But somehow, that demon-possessed man on the other side of the lake was still there. And everybody was afraid of him. He used to be chained. He was walking naked. Like It wasn't a, an experience 
a pleasure to go and visit. As a matter of fact, nobody went there. But Jesus is taking his disciples. And I think they are thinking, what is he going to do? Does he know what's on the other side? Does he know about those, that man, what he's done, what he's like? Who is he? And as they are approaching, the storm comes. And I think to some, it would mean that probably God doesn't want us to go there. Wouldn't we sometimes try to discern what God is saying based on our experience, on our knowledge, rather than simply believing in God's Word? Just if we could believe, then we could see that on the other side there is a man who needs freedom. Just the same freedom we were singing this morning about. Those chains, those addictions, only master can take off. Just as he did for us. For me and you, he wants to do for the rest of this world. For the people who live on the other continents, on the, uh, in other countries, and in our neighborhood as well. Interesting lesson. I think... And I pray that God would speak to our hearts and in a very personal way and show that first point, he is with us all the time. Our master has not left us. He's not abandoned us. He is right there. And we need to ask him. Ask the Lord and you will receive. A lot of times people don't do it and that's a big mistake. Our church... Two months ago, did something we normally don't do. But because of the situation in uh, Eastern Europe, in Ukraine especially, there was this family with four children who have been evacuated last year from Ukraine to Romania. They're on the border with Ukraine. Romania has some kind of, a, no, let's say it's like an orphanage. And so there was some space. So they put Ukrainian families there and they told them, you are welcome to stay, but next August you've got to leave. We can only host you here for a year. So the time was coming close and this family with four children had nowhere else to go. Their place in Ukraine was still not accessible and they had nobody else waiting for them in the whole world. So through a friend, they contacted our church. And our pastor, when he knew about the situation, said, well, why don't you come over here? We as a church will get you flights. We'll bring you here. We'll just get you a place for two months. And then you got to kind of do on your own. Great plan. Worked out very good. So they arrived. What a joy. Now they're with us. And they're expecting number five baby in September. So for a husband, six people in the family, one works. And their housing, housing is expensive in Canada, by the way. So it is a challenge. To the, when you talk to the children, they say, Andre, we used to live in one room. All of us, we shared one room. We had bunk beds. And the parents slept in the kitchen. So now we have our own bedrooms. We have a living room. We have even the basement that we don't even use. But it's like a palace to us. They love it so much and enjoy it. But their father, Alex, he says, Andre, it, it's, really, it's really hard for me here. I work and all my, my income goes just to pay the housing. I don't see how we can live here. So I told him and asked, well, have you talked to anybody? You know, now you're a part of the church in the Oaks Church. Have you talked to others? Well, you know, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to be a burden to people. I just, you know, they have jobs. They have stuff. Like, no, no, they've already helped us. They brought us here. They paid for our flights. They got this place for us. So, so it's already like asking too much. How can I ask somebody to take me to a market? But I say, but Alex, you don't drive, right? Yes, I don't drive. 
So how do you expect it to happen? Oh, see, we need friends in life. We need to be open and talk to people about what we're going through, and we should always ask. Never be afraid to ask. Ask your friends here in the church first, and then together ask the Lord. Because sometimes the Lord wants to speak directly to you. Sometimes He uses your friends to speak to you so you can obey and listen too. And I thank God for the friends. And I thank God for opportunity that we can minister. But some cultures are different. Some cultures are so closed in, they don't. They see it as a, you know, they are afraid. The more you know of them, the less you like them. The less you know of them, the better the picture is, right? And, but it's not like that. It doesn't work like that. That's not what Jesus wants from us. He wants us for us, right? He wants us to tell him what is really on our hearts. So he can mend it. He can fix it. And so, yes, he is always there in with us. He hasn't left. We need to talk to him. But our life with Christ, this journey, this boat we are in, is not just about you and me and your and my problems. We are here together because there is that other men chained and bound, lost. There are nations that he wants us to reach with the good news. Because, you know, after this, it wasn't only the power that our God has over the nature, the water and the wind. I think the triumphant encounter with the demonic man on that other side of the lake was bring that brought freedom to him was the ultimate glory and the power of God in action so the disciples could see that he cannot that he has power over nature and over demons over everything because he is the Lord I don't know where you are on your journey with God maybe you are still Admiring and exciting how he meets your daily needs. And I hope you have all experienced his faithfulness and the way he provides with jobs, with health for us. But there is also a spiritual part of life. Our experience is great, but faith is what God is really looking for. My friends, for us as those who minister, for those who do, does worship, it's not about what we can do. It's not about our professionalism. It's not about how, you know, you've done it so many times, you can just do it now. It's every time coming to His presence so we can look in our hearts and see what God has to see Him and to be able to worship together. Come together opening our hearts and inviting Him and His Spirit to show us what we need to fix, who we need to reconcile with, and how we can get closer to Him. So for us, it's been amazing to see in our ministry how through the last years of pandemic, when we were limited in travel, now the last year, I was with you just before I went back. I traveled in September, and I have to tell you that a lot of things have changed in Ukraine since the beginning of war. It's been almost... 18 months and we'll talk about Ukraine today and it's important to know what's going on so you can pray you can actually mm, know more from people who go who live there what it's really like and the stories what God does because for us we know Ukraine is getting a lot of support it's getting a lot of aid and it's great and we're thankful we are grateful that US Canada have opened their borders and receiving refugees, that's all great. You are helping our people. That's very important as well. The war is always a destruction. It's always pain. It's always something you want to avoid. And uh, we were not prepared for it. And right now, I can tell you that even through that, we see the answer to prayers. You can say, like, how can the war in Ukraine can be answered to prayer. Did you pray for it? No. But I can see how God, through the war, 
is doing his work. See, for uh, many years, we've been praying for nations around us. Nations like European nations. Very, I would say, one of the least rich nations there is like Germany, Switzerland, where we just don't have spirit-filled churches like we do here. We used to have, back in the day, Germany, 400 years ago, it was a different story. Reformation started from there. Martin Luther, he was the father of Reformation. He was there. So we see how the gospel, the roots of the truth, and salvation by faith was birthed out of that nation. And now, so many years later, it's completely gone. Gone so much secular. So we were praying and asking God to reach those nations, to bring revival. We could never imagine that God would use war to send people from Ukraine. Because before sending people from Ukraine was impossible. We just could not afford it. Our people did not speak those languages. Now those countries take Ukrainians and they provide housing, they provide meals, they provide opportunities for them to stay and work and with that we see how the gospel is reaching those nations. Now we have Ukrainians all over Europe and even in North America and many of them are Christians and when they go they take their faith and the gospel with them. So we can see how God is now taking his church and spreading and those nations as well as the answer to our prayer. But for me, Ukraine was always a mission field. You see, my children were born in Ukraine. Ukraine is their home. But for me, I was not born in Ukraine. See, I'm from the north. It's like Belarus is my home country. That's where my heart was for 20 years. And then I moved to Ukraine because I married a Ukrainian. That's how I ended up there for 19 years. And then six years later, we were uh, transferred. Well, the ministry I was with brought us to Canada, where we live now, and I still travel. So for us, Ukraine was like home, yes, but Belarus is on my heart, and that's where we work. But Belarus had only a small window of gospel freedom. We had streets evangelism. We had the stadiums filled, we had churches planted, and Robert was part of that. He was in Belarus when the doors were open. He was ministering to my people. He actually even, it's because of him we have a video of my baptism. Yeah, he happened to be there with his camera, and so, I mean, it's amazing, but very soon those doors closed. And now, we cannot... The time came when the Belarusian government said, no more evangelical Christians here. We don't want you here. They closed all our ministries as far as charitable work, as far as sending goods and humanitarian. They said, we don't need it anymore. We don't want missionaries here. So the work we do in Belarus is done through local churches, and it's done by the targeting children through summer camps. Those camps are very instrumental. We are able to bring children in and we do three-day outreach camps. Last year we did 10, this year we're doing 12 in different communities. It's a three-day when you bring kids and you do games, you feed them, and a lot of families struggle with alcoholism. They don't have time for their children, so we provide that friendship, then you tell, teach them the gospel, and then after you've finished, you s choose a day when you do once a week, uh, we call it the Bible club. After that, about a year time, parents start showing interest, like, who are you people? You see, we see how good you take care of our children. We see change in our children. So, and usually after a year, we're able to do like a home group in that community. So it's been a great, great way of evangelizing kind of under radar in Belarus, in the country we cannot officially go as evangelists but the God is moving there. So I have a small video for you just to show you what a day came look like, looks like in Belarus. And let's roll the film.
Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing to see those young kids, every of them who visits those camps, you know, their lives have changed forever. In Belarus, there is no organizations, there is no uh, programs that do that kind of stuff. Most communities just, children during the summer three months break, just do nothing. Nothing really productive, nothing good. So this allows them to have actually develop some skills and to hear the gospel mostly for the first time and then their journey starts. Uh, this year we did a conference for teenagers who have been through our camps in the past. So over 400 teenagers were in that place. It's awesome to see some of the uh, leaders now of our camp ministry there, camping ministry, used to attend our camps 20 years ago. So this ministry we've been partnered with. The person who runs the ministry is also Andre, is a very good friend of mine. He was in my home group when I was actually living in Belarus and he got saved there. And so it's a long story, but uh, he's become like one of my best friends and we stay connected. And to see how the Lord has used one person to, with his vision, and brought so many helpers is, is just amazing. So we've been part of that work in Belarus and uh, it's going really great. So we'll continue next year. We're planning to send a team. There is a church in Ohio that is interested. They actually funded these camps for this year. So next year they want to go and see it, be part of it. So it will be interesting. I'm very excited about that. But it's only one side. And that's an exciting side. That's an opportunity that we as Christians have and the impact that the Word of God does. But there is also the other side. Just like we read in the scripture, there is Jesus who comes the storm. There is Jesus who can fix all these problems. There is Jesus who saves. That's His work. That's not us. All we do, we find funding. We find money because to run one of those camps, it's on 300 to 500, depends. It's three days, but they need supplies. They need food, right? They need transportation. So all of that includes in that. So my job is to find funding and then the God be the glory. They do the work and we visit them when we can. So, but the country of Belarus and the government is not, is not on the same page. They don't like evangelical Christians. About 24 years ago, a church like yours was started in Belarus, and soon it began to grow. The church bought a barn. They converted the barn into a church building. And the barn was outside the city limits. It was fine, but the city grew. And two years ago, the city said, well, new life. We want your building. You got to get out. The pastor went to the city council and he brought his papers and said, we are a registered church. This is our building. But the city sent an eviction note and he protested it. But the city officials said, according to our records, it's not your building. You don't own a building. So they seized the building first. For the next two years, the church did what any church would do. They met at the parking lot. Although they could not access their building, but they could access the parking lot, right? So every Sunday, a truck would pull in with the generator and the worship will go on, but only for an hour. The services were shorter because it was winter, it's cold. And you know, for people with children standing in the parking lot, but the church kept going. And in June of this year, this is what happened. We will watch the next video. Here is Pastor Vyacheslav. Welcome, New Life Church and all our friends. This is our property. Thank you for the journey. Uh, June 20th, 23. As you can see, the city has demolished our church. First, they evict us. They do. Now you can see it being destroyed right now. You see the tractor, the excavator there. It used to be our church building. 
you know, as a pastor, I just want to stand on these ruins and scream, praise the Lord, because God, He sees everything, and He knows what we are going through. He sees our sorrow, our pain. He also sees the mockery of the officials. He sees what they are doing against God Himself. He knows. He knows it. There is no better scripture than it says, Who destroys the house of God? God will deal with them. I just pray for those people who made the decision, who are implementing it. Uh, I pray that you will have the fear of God in your life. Because God will ask you for this. This is not just a physical building. It's that was the house of God. Read the history and ask God forgiveness on your knees. Ask for God's mercy that He would forgive you. And to you, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, I wish you patience, faith, and love. We'll continue our journey in believing, believing, and doing everything we can what God has prepared for us. I believe new doors will open. The times will change. For the prophecy of God is true. And no man can stop God's word and prophecy. Great victory is on its way for the church. It's going to be a greatest moment. May it bless God bless you. We are together in this journey. And let's be patient and see what God has prepared for His church. Goodbye. I know Pastor Vecislav very well. About four years ago, we planted four churches with him in Belarus. And when he was evicted, and we were praying and in faith, claiming God's revival and that the powers will change, and we understand that the root of it, or the decision comes from the top. It's the government. It's the communistic government in Belarus that is trying to oppress the freedom. And there is many, many prisoners right now in Belarus, political prisoners, religious prisoners, and that's what the church was open. That's what the church was open about. They were calling things what they were. They were not keeping quiet, but they were telling the world what is happening in Belarus. Last week, Pastor Vyacheslav and his assistant youth pastor were imprisoned. And August 23rd is the court date. Now they've got 10 days till through the court, but the first prosecutor of Minsk, the capital city, has charged the church with extremism. They have taken some videos back from 2020 from their church YouTube channel and now accused the pastor and his assistant in the anti-government activity that discredits the president of Belarus and the powers. And so the, the story did not end with the destruction of the building. The destruction of the building was just the first step in bringing down the church. But you know how you bring down the church? By taking down their leader. And so we see that the government of Belarus didn't stop just by evicting and demolishing the church. Now they're after their leaders. And that's where we need to come. That's the, our role as the body of Christ. When we hear this, may we not be scared or troubled. Because God is at work. It's His church. It's His building. Pastor Slava says, we have lost our building now. So we are the church without walls. No one can take our faith. Only if we have it. But think about those people who don't have faith, who just go to those church buildings because it's a tradition and a religion. When the war comes into their life, there is nothing left. And that's what the 
war in Ukraine showed. We have a pastor in a community outside of Kiev. He says, Andre, we had three churches, our church and two others. The two others locked their doors when the war broke out and they never came back. So now we deal with everybody in our community. Everybody comes here. And uh, I can tell you a lot of ministers in Ukraine have moved to other nations because they were no longer safe where they were. A lot of parts, like they say 20% of land from west, like uh, you look like it's uh, northeast down to south, 20% of their land is now occupied by Russia. It's part of Russian Federation. And pastors from that, those areas, they had to flee, literally, because uh, Russians were looking for them. They were on their lists. And so it was wise for them to move. And so now they continue to serve in the country. And we have a video of what church life looks like in Ukraine now. Some of those communities that are closer to the, uh, let's say, the line of where Russians, the front lines, it's under constant bombing. And actually, there is no community in Ukraine that hasn't been bombed. So it's not like it's safer there than here. Right now, it's not safe anywhere. But we have some communities that have been bombed, but the churches are still there. And this is what they do. Let's watch this video. We are in Kupinsk, in the east of Ukraine. This is a church building after bombing. You can see we are here to assess the building. The roof is destroyed. The building is beyond repair. We have to start over. This is Pastor Yuri. This is the city of Kupinsk. We are here visiting Pastor Yuri and his church. You can see what the ruins of the old buildings and many people are, have died here. We pray for those who are still here and we thank God that Pastor Yuri is still there and we come here to help him. So we ask the church to pray. Although the church is destroyed, now we have a room where they can meet and greetings we are here visiting from the church of reconciliation this is our brother this is sister Luba she does uh, Bible studies and this is our worship leader blessings these these are a couple so pray for them here is the missile that did not explode that just landed outside somebody's home. And here is the church in Kupinsk, Pastor Yuri. And Pastor Yuri's home was another miracle. When a missile landed in the neighbor's uh, backyard, it took out the neighbor's house, but the, the Pastor Yuri's lost only windows. And he said, I'm so happy. I'm so thankful. It was in the middle of a uh, winter, it was at night, so they just put the, the tarp and covered the windows. And he says, he takes you around his house, he shows, see there is a crack going through his ceiling. He says, that's no problem, that can be fixed, that's okay. I'm so glad we can be here and serve our people. This is, this is like reading the scripture we did. You see what Jesus did for his disciples? He was with them. I just pray for us as leaders that we can follow that example and be with our people when they need us most. And I'm so thankful for those pastors. So we continue to support them. Many of them are on our sponsorship list who we personally support. Before, when there was before the war, I used to travel there three times a year, two times during our pastors' conferences where all pastors would gather together in Kiev and we would give them support, get their reports. Now it's all changed. Nobody goes to Kiev now to meet for conferences like before. But what we do, we send the aid directly to them because bank system still works in Ukraine so we can still wire funds. So what we do, we work more directly with people. So when I travel, before I used to go to Kiev, everybody came, we had conferences, we brought guest speakers, we met, we 
exchanged funds, stories, everything. I went back, interpreted, sent to the donors. Now I have to go and meet them where they are at. So that makes longer trips. That makes it a little difficult. So I need your prayers, especially this time. Because I travel under Belarus passport. And as you just saw, Belarus persecutes its churches. Yes. But there is faith. And I'm so grateful for those faithful believers in the country of Belarus. But when you travel to Ukraine with a Belarus passport, to Ukrainians it means you're friends with Russia. Because Belarus and Russia are friends. Russian troops attack from Belarus. We are hospital streets, Russian wounded uh, soldiers. We have nuclear weapons now on the border with Ukraine from Russia. So Belarus is under sanctions as well as Russians. Belarusians are not allowed to travel to Europe and airspace is closed. So being a Belarusian is almost like being Russian. So when I go there, they don't treat me as a fellow Ukrainian or a friend. So you go through a lot of red tape there. Last time they took me off the bus, kept for three hours, interrogations, but they let me in. I was able to convince them that I was there to help. So I'm just going by faith this time again, believing that the Lord will accomplish his work. Because for me, it's important to reach the people on the other side. And I pray that today, you, if you struggle with that neighbor, or if God brings a person to you that you really need to talk to, that you do it, but not based on your experience, but based on the faith, and offer them a faith and hope that only Jesus can offer because he's done it for us. He wants to do it for them. And this is why I do what I do. Because I see every time I visit people, I talk about what God is doing in Belarus and Ukraine. I see how people react. I see how the Lord moves. And we, every year, year after year, we see great, great, great stories. Last year, it was September. We talked to Pastor Alexander. Pastor Alex, what are you going to do in the winter? Well, as usual. But Andre, I don't think about winter. It's still September. We used to plan, now we don't. We live one day at a time. Okay, but the winter will come. Oh, yes, it will. So how are you going to heat your church? Oh, we'll just have a gas heater, like gas boiler. Where is gas coming from? Russia. Oh, wait. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do? There is no gas of coming from Russia. So we offered, how about this? Why don't we put a wood-burning boiler? A generator, we'll get you some firewood, we'll get you some gasoline to run your generator, and you build this building next to your church so you can put the building in. So he agreed. And it, would, it, was, it took him three months to do it, but January 1st, the boiler was there, it was warm. And during that winter, last winter, was the first time in the history of Kiev and all of Ukraine where we had blackouts. Because Russians were targeting not only military places, but critical infrastructures. And Kiev city was in blackout. There was no power. Most communities outside of Kiev had only two, three hours of power a day if they had. Some went for days without electricity. It means no elevators and apartment buildings. It means no heat. It means no access to food. We have no idea what it's like. But that church, pastor said, Andre, my church now is a warming center. People are coming here because we have heat, we have light, and we can offer them food. We used to feed 30, now it's 70. We also did greenhouses with them in the summer so they can grow more veggies and feed their people. So, and stories like that, they said last year, Andre, cars are no longer in use. We need bicycles. So we got them bicycles. So they travel from church to communities to serve because gasoline is very limited and it's hard to get. For people who lived in their homes and never travel, to abandon their home and to leave is to leave your life, leave your history, everything behind. But they had to do that to be safe. For families, at first they thought it was good to send wives and children away where it's safe. 
But what they didn't consider, how long it would take. Everybody thought the war would be over sooner. Now those wives and children have been away for over a year and a half. A lot of families broken. A lot of women are not coming back. A lot of children have no dads anymore. And now it's all of a sudden became a reality. We're losing our families. What seemed to be good isn't really good. To be apart for that long, for children, for wives. So many churches are encouraging and trying to encourage people to return and be together. That's what many wives of ministers did because they felt it was not right to be apart for so long. So please pray. Pray for those pastors, pray for their families and pray for people of Ukraine. For those who are separated, for those who are finding new life, that they will continue to be the light and those who don't have faith. So when they come here, they can find it here. And this is how we share it. So may our hearts be open to pray, to give, and to believe that God can still do it. That's his work. May you be encouraged this morning. And uh, the work continues. Uh, over 5 million Ukrainian refugees are in Poland last year. When I went to Poland first to get to Ukraine, I met with three leaders there. So now we have ministry in Poland. Last week, we had a one of those Polish ministers visiting us in Canada for the first time. So it's amazing to see how in this time we make connections so quickly, very strong connections. Uh, what used to take longer now is being kind of happens very, very quick. Time is short and let us continue to serve in faith and may God bless all of our friends because they are God sent they are so special, so let's meet with them. Don't forget about them, please. And pray, please, pray for my family. Uh, last year, my mother-in-law from Kiev came, and she's been with us for a year, but now she feels she's 75. She spent 30 years working for the church there, and she wants to go back. My wife is with her mom. She's tried to change her mind, but she could not. So Lydia is going back in September, and we just, she needs prayer, and we just, we believe that God will use her there powerfully. It was nice for her to be away for a year, to have a nice time with the family. She came so stressed, she could not sleep, she cried and cried and cried. Because the aerial sirens, aerial raid sirens all night long drives you crazy. She could not handle that anymore. Now she's going back, she says she has to handle some business there and stuff that she has to do but her family is there her sister her granddaughter she misses her family also so we just pray that God will keep her safe and do what he can only do she is on the in that boat still right she's going on the other side there are people there she wants to be available she wants to do what God wants her to do and we honor that and so I would like to ask you to pray, to pray for those nations and pray right now in closing of the service. Pastor, if you could just, we trust in God. We know politicians have their agendas and plans, but we know God's plan. He is bigger and stronger and that's what we believe in and we claim for the peace, for salvation and those ministers to be full of faith because that's what people need. Amen. What an honor it is to hear firsthand what God is doing. And so, Andre, we, first off, we bless you for bringing this news and uh, sharing your heart with us, but also just for being a friend. And, Father, we bless all that Andre represents. We want to bless our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Belarus. Our hearts go out to them, but our hearts go out to you for them, that they will know your hand and your presence and your power and your provision in every way. 
Father, we open the door in the spirit for Andre to go back and to minister and to encourage and to bring, uh, to bring encouragement from the, the church here in the United States and in Canada. But also we ask that you would be right with each of your children right across that nation, that they will bring righteousness and justice for those who love you and to, as a witness to those who've not yet met you. Thank you for the lights that are shining in the darkness. May many be drawn to the light. May your kingdom come and your will be done among them and through them. We trust you for it. We thank you that you are on the throne. You have already won the ultimate victory. And so we lean into that victory. We trust you for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, for all those who are suffering, for those in Russia also who love you and hate what is happening. Father, let there be a breakthrough in the spirit for the kingdom of God. And we thank you that we have the honor and the privilege of blessing Andre with our love and your goodness as he goes to represent you in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. So glad you could come.